Hey, I'm Fred. And I'm Ed. And this is Create a Generation. Create a Generation of Hype. Create a Generation features top YouTube creators and video experts sharing their tips, insights, and stories from working on the world's biggest video platform. So, Fred, what's happening this week? This week we are chatting to Harold, the very mysterious internet historian. And then the apocalypse happened, and it was like... All of this could be taken away in a moment, and it was revenue, most of it was. And Fred, you've got a great way of describing Harold's channel. Uh, yeah, oh, I don't know it's great, but I like to describe it as imagine the internet has come alive and is trying to explain itself to you. That is what Harold's channel is all about. Yes, and he's very, very good at it. I think he's got a bit over 2 million subscribers across a couple of channels, and he's gotten there very fast in just over 18 months. So if you don't know anything about his channel, he creates satirical mini-docos around events on the internet and internet history, such as the epic disaster that was Fire Festival and the outrage over games like Fallout 76. Mm, and we chat to Harold about really hard work, giving up his day job to become a full-time YouTube creator, and how to create authenticity when it's not you in front of the camera. And to always wear pants. Oh yeah, always wear pants. Let's get into it. Harold, welcome to Creator Generation. Thank you for having me. It's wonderful to be here. That's great. Um, Ant wants to ask the first question. Mm. Oh, great. Local. Awesome. Always. Uh, Harold, what's your real name? <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's, Har- Har- should, should, should we build it's, up to that? It's actually Anthony McCormack. Snap. Um. <laughs> 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 I'll claim it. Man, I'd be proud. I'd be proud to take own, own your channel. Um, let's get back to that. But, all right, why don't we go to the start? But how did you get started on YouTube? Well, I, uh, I'd i always wanted to, to start a YouTube channel for a while. And um, I uh, uh, was working at a marketing company as a copywriter, and my hours had been reduced. And I thought, um, all right, well, I've got to go find some more clients and some more work. Or um, I could do an irresponsible thing and see about um, trying to make a YouTube channel. So um, I started making videos as, as quickly as I could. And, and um, the, the idea for the channel itself initially came to me because I remembered this, this incident involving um, Battletoads and it was this, there was this dumb meme where people would call up GameStop and they would say, hey, have you got a copy of Battletoads, which is this game from like 1996. And um, I thought, oh, okay, well, some, some other people have probably done um, videos on this. I like, compiled the whole incident together into a cohesive story. And I was really surprised to find that there were all these clips um, and, and images everywhere, but no one had, had just brought the thing together. So I thought, right, well, that's... Oops, I shouldn't have clapped. <laughs> right, well, that's exactly what I'll do for my channel. Um, and within two to three weeks, I was, I was gaining traction. Within a couple of months, it was a full-time job. You know, the first time you told me that, I thought you said battle turds. <laughs> and I'm like, what's a battle, battle turd? turd. <laughs> what is a battle turd? <laughs> it's a New uh, Zealand that's a story accent. that hasn't been told yet, Harold. You can <laughs> add that to the list. <laughs> um, so that's how you got started. Mm. Yeah, and did you see success straight away? Yeah, it was it was relatively quick. It was it was really surprising. Um, I was producing you know, much shorter videos very quickly, um, 
and because I knew sort of okay, I can't I can't tell anyone that I'm making YouTube videos because if they find them, and I sort of I was worried about what uh, I don't know historian would think me sort of spending my time doing this thing instead of doing more responsible things, and so I thought okay, I've got to I've got to make uh, a good go at this really really fast, so um, I was producing content as quickly as I could, and working sort of insane hours, and then. Um, yeah, uh, uh, I think by the sort of fourth, fifth, sixth video started to to, to really get some traction, and then um, every subsequent video sort of ex- expanded the, the channel exponentially. And um, about three months in, I had about a hundred thousand subscribers, and I sort of turned to a historian and said, "Do you mind if I uh, sort of pursue this as my main thing?" And sorry, you turned to who? Oh, historian. So uh, that's the name of my wife, essentially. Oh. Um, yeah, she's, she's on the second channel once in a while, but right. Yeah, she she works a sort of normal job. So right, right, right. That's that's her pseudonym. Ah, um, right. I don't know. I don't know what the female equivalent of Harold would be. Harriet, I suppose. Haroldina. Haroldina. Yeah, that's, that's, that's right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Like, I thought you were the historian. What's going on? I was. Very confused. Yeah, so I took myself. I turned to myself and said, "How are you doing?" <laughs> Looking wistfully in the mirror, I said, "Is this right for me?" Just um, a quick. Let's talk a little bit about um, your growth because you were one of those I guess, rare creators that grew very fast with a very um, engaged audience. Um, did you ever think it was going to grow as fast as it did? No. Well, you know, of course, the, this stuff comes as a as a big surprise. I had read other people's experience of starting a YouTube channel and I had seen a, a few small channels that I'd followed and, and I, th- I thought they'd make made good content and, um, you know, it takes them years to, to get a good foothold. Um, so, uh, yeah, it was a big surprise when, when the channel blew up as fast as it did and, and yeah, it took a little while to get, to get used to that idea of, of like, oh shit, all the things that you say are now going to be sort of permanent and you've got to sort of act a certain way now that you have um, maybe a half a million followers rather than like 500 followers and, mm. and, and that sort of stuff. But um, no, I was, I was certainly surprised by it. And how much of that was luck versus strategy? I don't want to sound immodest about this. This feels like the immodest hour, you know. <laughs> but um, I'd, I'd like to think that I, I didn't sort of entirely fall into it. Um, you know, I saw what other channels were doing with their content and I tried to avoid a lot of those mistakes. So, um, you know, gaming channels, it's like, I, I, I think that in 2019, you can still start up a new gaming channel and grow really fast and be really big, but not if you're doing exactly the same thing that every other gaming channel is doing. So things they would do is like, okay, well, here's my long form version of me playing whatever, Metal Gear Solid, and then they'll just go, oh, yeah, cool, I'm going to commentary in front of a video and and, um, and do that for three hours and then upload it with no editing. And it's like, well, I, I knew something like that would never work. Um, instead, it's it's got to be about respecting the viewer's time. There is such a, a huge volume of, essentially an infinite volume um, of alternative content that people could be spending their time viewing. So cut it down, refine it down. And one of the reasons it grew so fast is because very quickly I had a catalog up of content that didn't waste the, the viewer's time. 
I want to talk about like your your videos, the like the actual content you make. It's a very unique uh, style you have, but it's it's deceivingly simple. Um, like, how did you come up with the video format and, and your video style? Yeah, it's funny. Most most of it is just um, working around limitations because I'm not in front of the camera. Okay, this has to be narrative, so. Um, that's that's going to be a lot of the format. Um, I know that, at least in the beginning, I wasn't terribly good at editing, okay? So it's going to be a lot of sort of showing images and clips and not a, bit, not a lot of it is really going to move around that much. And then over time, I started to get better at editing and I started having more, more and more moving parts and then that became part of the style. Um, I thought, okay, well, next I've got to learn After Effects. So I tried that, and then I failed at that. And so I went, I'll never do After Effects again. And then I just tried harder Premiere Pro, and, and that only allows for a certain kind of animation style. So I was stuck with that limitation, but then that sort of became part of it. And then um, it just sort of went on and on from there. And I, I hope I took a lot of the things that I learned and, and layered them um, and I, I was always trying to increase the production value over time um, because that's what keeps it interesting for me, but that's what the audience expects as well. Harold, you say, you know, a big guiding principle for you is that to make sure you're respectful of your audience's time and the fact that they have essentially infinite amount of choice to give their attention to. Mm-hmm. Um, things like, you know, like always tell a story. Always have a winner and loser. Yeah, um, yeah. Look, I, I, um, I think it's it's really important to um, turn things into a, a coherent story. Um, uh, you know, ha- uh, that's easier to tell if you've got something like a winner and a loser, or a sort of protagonist and an antagonist. So I try to search out topics um, a bit like that, and and um, uh, always being trying to show something interesting um, or funny and and um, if it's not those things try to try to cut it out um, Harold you said you sort of put some like I think crazy hours in like when you committed to going hard at this straight away what sort of crazy hours are we talking oh, well, including some of the sort of contract work I had to do at the side it was basically just every hour of the day that I wasn't sleeping so it was like 16 hours a day, every day, for sort of weeks on end. Um, and it was like, it was super unhealthy. And then um, gradually I've sort of tapered that down. And, and I've got a pretty pretty healthy schedule now, but in 15 those, and a half hours a day. <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> but in, yeah, in those, in those first few days, um, I think that was, that was pretty important, that, that initial grind. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd take sort of half a day off here and there, but but basically for that first six months, I must have been working regularly, seventy to eighty hours a week. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it is hard, and a lot of you know good creators have said the same thing. You they really have to grind it out, especially when they start. How did you find that? Are you did you find that something you really wanted to do and you were really committed to it, or did you find it super hard to do? I mean. You know, we talk to creators all the time about this idea of passion because they're so passionate about the content mm. they're creating. They don't mind that extra, that, that hard work. Um, what was your experience with that? Yeah, it, it was really fun. It was challenging. It was something completely new. Um, you know, frustrating uh, frustrating a lot of the time, but um, so you, you felt like a, uh, you felt a real sense of accomplishment once something had come out and people liked it. Mm. And, 
Um, you know, so coming from a copywriting background, you know, a lot of the time people hate your stuff, especially the initial draft. And you know, God, half of this is wrong. Send it back. And um, so it was a sort of fantastic feeling when you get your your feedback on uh, the latest video and you get like ninety nine percent thumbs up. And it's just yeah, it's sort of uh, uh, it, it's a bit it's quite sort of self self perpetuating. It's motivating so you harold you mentioned straight away you didn't want to tell anyone that you were creating youtube content and you're still we've sort of touched on it you're still your real name's not harold you're anonymous Mm. why didn't you want to tell people can i just point out one thing and by saying your name isn't harold has ruled out harold as (laughs) (laughs) so you've just reduced his anonymity by a little bit ed Oh my god! And we've also you, established you it's are, not Anthony. I think everyone. I think that's pretty. It's pretty firmly established that your real name is not Harold. Is that correct? And we can. Yeah, yeah. That, that's, yeah. We can. Yeah, Harold's just a lot easier that internet has story, and it's like, what is that seven syllables? It's it's way too much. Um, yeah, why I was anonymous? Oh, you know, uh, there's there's a few other channels that are anonymous as well, and I suppose people have all sorts of different reasons. I. Um, my main reason for it was um, I thought, well, if I'm um, if this YouTube thing doesn't work out, um, you know, especially in the in the beginning, um, if I'm trying to get more clients, um, people are going to Google me, and <laughs> they're going to find my YouTube videos, and they're going, um, "What the hell is Battletoads?" And no, we're not hiring him. And uh, the other reasons i suppose uh I've, I've never really wanted to be uh a known person so i suppose this is why i'm anonymous now um you know that that works for some people i'm not i'm not a uh, an extrovert really so um it, it probably wouldn't be something I'd, I'd like very much i also tend to be pretty paranoid so anyone looks at me kind of funny and i and i'd think oh they know they know and um but but I think now it's it's about maintaining a certain um, illusion because people associate me with a certain um, uh, uh, old man or a certain cartoon avatar, and the moment you see my face um, in real life, it's going to ruin it completely, um, especially with my face. So <laughs> I think um, uh, it just it, I think it just sort of works. Yeah, and so that that anonymity is so important to you, isn't it? It's so important to the videos and the character in the videos. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and and um, uh, in some ways, you sort of get to have like a, a top-down view. It's like, oh, this isn't my personal opinion of what's happening. It's like, this is the thing that happened. And I'm sort of this sort of stand-back, avatarish figure. Yeah. Did you go into this thinking, I'm going to be this anonymous character? Was that always the way you'd set it up? Yeah, it was it was always the plan to be anonymous, um, and um, I picked Harold because um, there were stock photos of him, and and so that made it easy. So just um, going back there, you're talking about stock photos of Harold. Like, who is this Harold? You're okay. talking about? Yeah, so so um, uh, Harold is uh, short for Hide the Pain Harold, and um, he's a a very well known stock photo model. Um, his real name is um, Andreas Arato, and he's a Hungarian former electrical engineer. Um, and 
he's he's known for having this expression on his face that's kind of pained, even though he's smiling. Um, so it sort of you know <laughs> it represents someone who's sort of putting on a um, a, a facade of being happy when they're when they're not, and it it you just sort of add him to all sorts of memes and stuff, and it usually just makes it more more humorous. And I thought, oh yeah, fantastic, I'll I'll take that. And um, I don't I don't think I put a whole lot more thought into that, except that I wanted it to be an old guy. I sort of thought, well, um, then that that lends a bit of authority to the things I'm saying. It, he's actually quite perfect for for your videos. I mean. Is a, um, it's almost too perfect in in many ways. But have you? I mean, you've never met him before, though, in real life. No, I would love to. But yeah. I haven't. Met. <laughs> have you ever sent him a letter or fan mail? Oh, once I thought um, someone had hide the pain, and 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 everybody thought it was him, and he had a ton of followers, and he used to post at least as um, as this guy. He used to post in Hungarian and all sorts of stuff. And um, I I sent him a DM once, thinking it was him, basically saying, "Hello, man." I know I'm stealing your face, but you've changed my life forever and all this sort of stuff. He's like, yeah, it's not me. <laughs> I'm just some, some dude role-playing on Twitter. Like, oh, whoops. And um, deleted all those DMs. And hopefully they don't come out. Um, but no, I don't know. I, I, I hope that he's, you know, he's mentioned in a, in a couple of um, promotions he's, he's done on, on commercials and, and interviews that um, he wasn't altogether thrilled with his fame or at least his, his wife wasn't, well, they were, they were sort of coming to terms with it. And so, but um, I think that they've sort of got there because, you know, now he does promotions for Manchester United. He's done ads on German television for computer companies. He's done music videos. He's done all sorts of things. So he's sort of embraced it now. And mm. well, I'm not entirely responsible for um, uh, causing him to be sort of a, a well-known person. He's, he, been well known well before I sort of came along. Um, I, I probably haven't done a whole lot of service, good service. <laughs> I, in, in my mind, he will always be the internet historian. Mm. I remember the first time we spoke, Harold, and um, it was an audio call, and I had this picture of an older dude <laughs> in my mind, yeah. based off your your amazing voice and your your content and the imagery that you'd put in my head. Um, and that mystery was kept alive for quite a while until we got to meet in person. <laughs> yeah, it turns um, out I was a little girl. <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> your voice is phenomenal for a little 10-year-old girl. Um, but yeah, that, that, that sort of adds something, like another layer of intrigue to your channel and, and, and entertainment. Do you think you, your audience appreciates that, uh, that, that multi-layered uh, approach to your channel? I suppose, I, I hope so. Um not all of this stuff has forethought, though. So I suppose if, if a lot of it's sort of coming together, it's uh, uh, happy happenstance. But, um, yeah, I mean, certainly people say nice things in the comments um, about the voice and all that. So um, One, I guess, interesting thing is, like, you know, a lot of creators, we talk about, they talk about authenticity being so important. And it is, but, you know, there are a number of people who start out that, they try to create another persona, right? Mm. Um, and like this, you have a persona in your videos. Um, but the thing I found was that after watching a number of videos before I met you, mm. um, and then meeting you in person and listening to you, it it's actually so, uh, so close to who you are, even though you've created oh, okay. a persona. Yeah, yeah. That authenticity, that element that 
this is actually part of you and this is the way you think and there are funny elements about Harold that are exactly the same as Harold in real life. Um, and I think that was really cool because I thought, well, this is real. He's not just putting on something that's completely different to who he is. This is actually really reflects, you know, the way you think and your funniness and your humor is actually right there. And tell me, tell us a bit about that that element of um, authenticity that exists, even if you have a character in your videos. Do you mean this was as a sort of um, general guiding principle, maybe not not to try to act like somebody else? Um, uh, yeah, I, I, I think that's the that's certainly the case. It, it doesn't seem to me like that would be a terribly um, viable option over the long term because you're going to have to constantly fake another persona, and that's going to get exhausting, but also I think the audience sees through it after a while, and then that's going to get tiring. Um, people might even see that as a little dishonest, uh, or at least insincere. I guess in like traditional, when you say traditional media, traditional TV, film, actors act, and that is a character they create, mm. and people can connect to that character, whereas I think YouTube is so popular because the people there bring themselves to the role, mm. and people connect much faster, and the bond they create is much deeper Mm. Um, and I think people who do animation or they do narration and stuff can lose that but I guess what you found is a way to create that authenticity in the character you create Um, and that creates that connection because it is you know it it is an extension of you Um, was that hard to do or is it just natural because you know that's that's who you are I've never really put a whole lot of thought I don't think into the the sort of character Um, I did into the the avatar and and I suppose some things I am doing quite consciously are um, like narrating things in a particular way. So, um, if but but usually that's just for, for comedic effect. So um, it's like I'll be talking about something really dumb. Like um, oh, what's a good example? Oh, okay. Like when when Kurt Eichenwald was looking at um, hentai on his computer and he got caught, right? And it's like, well, obviously that's that's really sort of dumb and silly. So best way to play this off is to talk about it like it's a really serious and grave matter and you're from the BBC and <laughs> next on on 60 Minutes, Kurt Eichenwald. Yeah, so so I think there's just some of that going along and it's, yeah, just sort of being sort of playful, playful with it. Um, I don't really know how else to answer the question. I can slag off some other YouTubers. Who can hey, guys, how's it going? <laughs> <laughs> don't forget to hit that like button. I, no, I it, the, the reason we are... The reason start the flame war, Harold, start <laughs> the flame war, go. The reason we ask that question, I guess, is, you know, it's um, especially people who do create animation or they create narration where they're not actually in the videos themselves. Mm. Um, they sometimes will suffer from that, that fact that they've created characters that are not themselves and, and maintaining that can be hard. Mm. Um, whereas if it's more true to yourself, it's sort of easier to, to pull out because, you know, it's an extension of who you are. Mm. Um, and like we said, when we watch your videos, it clearly it's an extension of your humor and the way you talk and your interests and things like that. It's definitely, it's definitely all there. Mm. And I think it's that, that thing you can't quite put your finger on, but you feel, you feel it when you watch the videos and you're like, you connect to it because of that. Mm. Um, and we do try to talk to, you know, young YouTubers or once a young, you know, people who are starting out on YouTube about creating that connection because it is so important. Um, and I think a lot of the big creators have inadvertently done that in their videos. You know, you've mm. got some very good talent who have become very successful mm. and often when they can't identify it, um, it comes down to the way they've put themselves in the video mm. um, and they've created that natural connection. Um, 
which is hard to, I guess, like I said, put put your finger on. But um, there are some creators who go out there and say, "Yeah, I'm going to do this," and they do it with with that in mind. So yeah. yeah, I'm wondering if that was something you did think about a little bit more. Uh, I suppose one thing I I did think about um, in terms of like how how much of a personal connection I, I wanted to make with the audience because um, I suppose you know. Uh, a lot of for example, a vlogging channel. Um, you know, the, the person is their their brand, um, and their value is in connecting with the people who who watch them. Um, I think, to to some extent, my viewers are, are much more like a traditional audience, where it's where it's like it's they're not so not there as much for the person as much as the content. Um, but, and so I, I do try to keep things in, in some ways kind of, kind of sort of stand a little bit standoffish, like, okay, this is the story and that's what I'm going to tell you. And I'm not going to put too much of my own personal experience or anything into it, at least not on the main channel. But then, um, some of that is valuable. So the, the way, um, I suppose I split that out is, is having a second channel where I have interviews with people. So, for, for example, there's a, there's a videos called um, In the Field where I'll have someone on from a different channel and we'll, we'll have a certain objective like, um, are there any hot singles in your area? And we'll just sort of explore the internet to see if, if that happened to be true. Um, and that's much more of a sort of personal side. But not everyone wants to see that from my content. So there's like a deliberate split. It's like, um, do you like the channel, uh, the main channel? Okay, great subscribe to that okay do you really like the main channel well then you'll probably like the second channel as well and then that's much more of a sort of personal experience but it's it's still probably not as personal as it could be um certainly not as much as like a even a twitch streamer or something like that and then how that that second tier of of audience that is uh much closer or more invested in in the content and the channel is that then when you start talking about like an internet historian community is yeah it's certainly in the when i was growing the channel initially i thought of it much more as a community um as they reached a certain size it began it became very difficult to um to manage so it seemed like a full-time job just managing a community um so I've tried to shift things back to to something more traditional, like a, a sort of audience producer kind of relationship. But I, I I think whatever strategy you take depends from channel to channel. I think someone that does like gaming streams, it would be absolutely essential to be constantly fostering a community, um, or, or the same with a vlogging channel, or even a, a makeup channel. Um, I'm not so sure that that's true for my particular type of content. I guess you don't meet fans that way in real life because they wouldn't know who you are. Mm. Um, and it's funny because I probably have met quite a few more of your fans <laughs> than you have. Because, yeah, right. You know, we you know we say we this is we need an historian. We've worked with them in the past, and um, it's quite interesting how many people come up to us and talk about how much of a fan they are of yours. Oh, sure. Um, and it's full on, and it is full on. Yeah. <laughs> and about all this really 
I don't even know what the hell they're talking about, sort of very niche internet history stuff. Yeah. And ask me, like, I'm you. It's crazy. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, they'll, they'll yeah. ask very specific questions and we're like, hey, I've known it yet. I answer that but you know they there is there is so much that case there's that you know they talk about you know the videos and there's always one video they like in particular and yeah um and there was one guy who came up and said you know i was there from i was one of the first thousand subscribers and oh sure. he was just so excited that you know someone knew who, who you were <laughs> and yeah, um, yeah it was it was really interesting to see that but i guess like there are a lot of youtubers who are obviously very public facing mm. um who do have fan bases and we've talked to many of them on on, on this show and and ask them about how they feel about that, and they've got fan stories, but you don't really have any fan stories, though, do you? Or unless you've inadvertently met a fan and been talked about yourself no, without talking I, about yourself. Um, I mean, I've I've sort of talked to a lot of people on online, and, and that sort of thing. Never, never in real life. Um, yeah, no. I, in some ways, it feels like I'm, I'm missing out. That does sound like fun, um, but I don't know. I, I, at least personally, I've I'm not good at taking compliments. Um, I take insults quite well, but I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I get awkward when people say nice things about me. So I don't know what I'd do if, if someone was a, a sort of genuine fan and, and came up to me, I'd just, um, I'd stand there awkwardly and say thanks. And yeah, so, so maybe it's, it's better this way. Do you reckon you'd get found out if you, if you met a hardcore fan and inadvertently just talking to them? Do you reckon, um, maybe, yeah, they, they would, they would figure it out but maybe i think people forget what what people sound like so i mean it would be you know recognized for my voice but i think people mm. forget that sort of stuff and i also think you know when you're on in front of the camera you have to announce things in a certain way so that the microphone actually picks them up and that makes you sound different to how you would in real life when you're sort of talking conversationally like this and i'm i'm not sure i'd pick out the the two you could probably pick out like a morgan freeman or something like that but even then Anton, I think it is time to take a quick break. Yep, I reckon people need to hear what else we've been cooking up. That's right, we also have an app. Um, The app is basically designed to create a global community of creators. So bring together all the creators all over the world to have great conversations um, and also give them access to a bunch of extra content to make them even better at what they do. Definitely. And we've made this thing so it's available both on iPhone through the App Store and for your Android device on Google Play. So jump on, check it out, join the creator generation. I mean, you you talk about obviously as it became more of a full time gig. Mm. Um, I think for a lot of people, it's still a strange concept that you could do YouTube full time. Mm. You know, I mean, a lot of the creators we work with are absolutely full time. They do this all all time. It's it's a job, right? That requires mm. a lot of commitment. Um, and there are so many unique aspects around it as a full time job. So my question is, is basically two parts. It's like, yeah, how is it? been explaining to people that you do YouTube full-time mm. um, and do you do that and how is it actually having it as a full-time job? Yeah. Um, I, well, in answer to the first question, um, I don't tell people that I do YouTube full-time. Um, is that an anonymity thing or is it just because... You- yeah, that's that's an anonymity thing and, and people talk and, it, um, you know, I, I just sort of didn't... I made a pretty del- deliberate and concerted effort. Even... Um, uh, in in you know my quite personal life, most people don't know. 
Um, like my, my dad knows and a couple of friends, and that's about it. But in the second question, um, working as a, a YouTuber is, I think at least, a, an incredibly fulfilling lifestyle. I, I really enjoy it. The flexibility is just beyond any other job I, I could imagine having. But at the same time, um, the workload is enormous. Um, and there's a, an always-on factor about it. So, you know, someone sends you um, a DM and it's important, well, you're going to have to probably reply um, straight away. You know, you're constantly replying to emails and, and all these, you know, all this sort of stuff that you, you would with a regular job. But um, it tends to be around the clock. Um, but, you know, that's in some ways it's not such a big deal. It's like, okay, we well, got to, um, a, a message at three in the morning and you just kind of look at it and then you you can go back to sleep afterwards and, and then you can go back to sleep until 10 a.m. and then <laughs> waltz into the office and then, you know, uh, it's... So... Um, well, speaking of which, I, I heard that you actually rearranged your work day to suit a different time, right? You, you sleep now at a different time? Yeah, so, so because I'm here in Australia and the time zone is... Um, <laughs> about 17 hours different um, to the US to the US yeah um, it's it's worthwhile me keeping quite odd hours um, but I'm I'm a morning person anyway so I get up at about 2 30 2 o'clock every morning um, and then I have breakfast and then I'll go to the gym and then I'll be in the office by about 3 30 and then starting my work day and then I'll I'll wrap it up by about 1 p.m. 2 p.m. Um, and I work with uh, another guy he comes in he's got a, a normal life he shows up at about 9 a.m. and and he works through till five o'clock and having that sort of two shift nature of things is, is quite good as well because there's a lot of like oh I need to get this done and it, it, it'll take quite a long time and because things are on a different shift it's like Work is constantly being produced, so um, no one's ever really waiting on anyone else. So, yeah, it's, uh, I, I wake up at two in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> um, Howard, you mentioned you've got an office. Uh, you don't then work from home like a lot of YouTubers. Mm. What's what's the story there? Yeah, so um, for the for the first eighteen months, um, I was working at home, and um, after about a year, I decided to to pull someone else onto the um, the team because the, the workload was getting too big and wanted to be able to produce more videos more quickly. Um, so I just had them coming around to my house and um, it became uh, not, not a very good situation because it was like, oh, you know, someone was constantly in your house and and um, working from home uh, is, is not a great idea if you can avoid it because um, you end up working hours that you shouldn't really and it's like, you know, you try to relax, unwind, watch some television and you can see the computer over there and all your responsibilities and things you should be doing but aren't. And, you you know, you, um, so I, I decided to put a bit of distance um, uh, between me and that and um, I had a chat with my mate and, and he got me a good deal on um, an office um, sort of halfway across the city. So, so I commute... Um, there every day and and work from there and and try to keep you know something something close to a a regular job schedule there well you know I'm usually in um, 
sort of Saturdays and Sundays sometimes as well. But um, it's a nice environment, and it's 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 so much easier to concentrate when you're not in the same place that you also relax and sleep, um, and sort of hang out with family and um, yeah. Uh, uh, that's I'm going to stay in there for for now. I think until. Um, uh, I don't know. I'll see about getting it like a proper home office at some point. Yeah, I, I do. I do recommend it for for any sort of other YouTubers out there. If you if you can get an office away from home, um, it does make you more productive. It does make you value the time that you have when you're in the office as well. It's like, oh, I could be home by now, or oh, I won't do it at two in the morning. I'll do it now so that I can actually relax and yeah. And I guess on the flip side, that also then the like work-life balance that then has mm. benefits on the the life side of things or the, you know, home life with the historian. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you get to sort of hang out and, and when you are home, there's there's no work to be done. And so, uh, you know, you get to, you know, play PlayStation stuff. It's good. <laughs> it's good. It's good I mean, we, see, we see that heaps. Obviously, a lot of creators do start working from home and continue to work from home. Mm. Um Fred, question for you. Do you know of any strategies that creators working from home who maybe can't afford yet to have an office or somewhere else to go? Do you have any any you know, any tips on there that help creators with their productivity or, or, or separating work from home life? Yeah, I, the big thing is uh, I, the problem with working from home is like Harold said is you can't create that separation. And when you can't do that, everything sort of melts together. But it also leads to things like procrastination. Mm. Um, you know, if you're looking at your PlayStation just sitting there and you, you're doing something difficult, you're like, oh, five minutes. And then five minutes becomes like five hours. <laughs> you're like, I've lost an entire day. Um, I think the, the key thing is if you do have to work from home, try and create a distinct area of the house where you actually work in, where you don't have to go um, when you're not working and try and set certain hours or certain goals like you're going to get this much done in this much time so at least you get through those things and Mm -hmm. if you do that enough you begin to form a pattern Um, the thing about home is there's often you know around work there's no pattern and when there's no pattern you'll go and do other things so Mm. when you're at work or in an office there's a pattern to being there Um, so if you do have to work from home and a lot of YouTubers do then create that pattern and create that structure which will help you be more productive otherwise you will end up playing a lot of playstation or you know as we once did when <laughs> lee and i were working on a project we um got so i don't we decided to go to the mango tree and pick mangoes <laughs> because we just we were just looking for excuses to stop work and we just saw those bright orange <laughs> yellow, yellow mangoes and we're like yep let's go pick mangoes for an hour and see how that goes but yeah, yeah that's it it's just about it's just about structure really but i think another another important tip is um if you if you are working from home as a creator get up get dressed in the morning like get out of yeah. your pajamas and put some put your pants on or, or whatever um and probably like the habit of getting up leaving the house leave the apartment go somewhere and come back so that you have that separation between your uh home work um like hanging out at home and then coming to work at home mm. even just that little switch we've seen um really really great results with creators just just doing that just you know walk around the block and you go to work most importantly though and this is i think a question a lot of people do want to ask harold um have you ever been working from home and not wearing pants 
Oh, yeah. why the hell would you wear pants at home? <laughs> the funny thing is, though, my front door's got a window to it, and then I keep I keep my desk pretty close to the front door, actually. So if anyone did come peer in, they'd see me editing, basically. New. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and then I'd have headphones in as well, so I wouldn't be able to hear them. Sometimes I, I yeah, it's happened to me a few times actually. I'll, I'll be working and I'll be there in my underpants and socks, and then I'll, I'll go to the front door later on in the afternoon and I'll find that someone has delivered a package. <laughs> <laughs> so they definitely peered in. We, we won't make any noise. We won't make any noise. I think the funny thing is people will probably imagine you as an old man. <laughs> you know, like yeah. sitting there in his underwear and socks <laughs> while the delivery guy is knocking on the door. I love the detail of the socks too. That's great. <laughs> uh, everyone's wondering, is Ant wearing pants? <laughs> Can't see. I know Fred's not wondering that. He knows. I will say though, in terms of some some more practical advice, um, uh, other than wear pants, other than than wear pants, certainly do get dressed. That helps a lot, and and getting into a routine. That's it's really hard not to break that routine when you're working from home, and you find all sorts of procrastinations that you you shouldn't. So, you know, you you start changing your priorities. Like, oh, the house really needs cleaning, and all this stuff that you never would have done anyway, except that you're just putting off work, but. Um, one thing that really helps, especially with um, YouTube, is because you're usually working on the same computer that, say, you um, unwind with, um, it's best to, um, I mean, like gaming and stuff, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> the thing is, so what you actually want to do is is create like a, a delineation between um the, the gaming side of your computer and the and the work side of your computer. So I, I found this, it actually massively increased my productivity when, for example, I opened up Google Chrome or Firefox and my book ta- uh, my bookmarks all weren't related to the stuff that I do in my off hours rather than like all work stuff. When it's there and it's like, this is your email, this is the work, stu- work links that you need, this is the stuff for the current project you're actually much more likely to get into work and just having your work in front of you. And and I would suggest the same thing with like all your desktop icons. Put them in two folders. Have one for work and one for you know uh, uh, relaxing and then don't mix the two. Yeah, good tip. In terms of content, um, you've got a lot of videos now mm. um, and there are some that definitely stand out. I mean, for me, I think my favorite is still the Fire Festival video mm. um, and I... For those of you who haven't seen it, I still think it's better than the Netflix uh, documentary. I mean, the Netflix one was very good, but the Fire yeah. Festival one was, was, from you was, was very interesting, especially because it came out way before the Netflix one did. Um, it told, I guess, the same core story, but I'd never heard of a lot of sides of that, which you, you brought to, I think, a lot of people's attention. Mm. And maybe, have you ever think that maybe Netflix saw it and go, hmm, <laughs> let's make a documentary about this? Yeah, I'd I'd be surprised um, <laughs> if they hadn't seen it beforehand. I, you know, it was it was also quite um, extensively talked about in the public as well. Um, so, if anyone there hasn't seen it, you should go check out the uh, Internet Historians Fire Festival video. The Netflix one was good too. I and and also, um, I think Hulu didn't. Even, I haven't seen the Hulu one, but I, I've heard that that was even better than really? the Netflix one. Yeah, um, and I certainly hadn't heard all that stuff about. What's his face? You know the. Um, can I swear on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, the blowjob for water guy. Yeah, yeah. I hadn't heard about that, but um, 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, there you go. So, um, but like in doing research for like that video, um, what made you want to do that video firstly and secondly, how easy was it to put together that story? Um, yeah, boy, that, that video took six, seven weeks to make. Um, uh, I, would, I wanted to make it because um, it felt like, right, this is a good rounding off of the sort of festival videos I've done. So it was like the, f- the first one was DashCon, and it was like, okay, here's some terrible organizers that have no idea what they're doing, and they've, they've ruined this festival. And then the second one was um, about some terrible um, attendees at the festival. And then the third one was kind of like, Oh, yeah, this is the worst festival that's ever happened. <laughs> and and I felt like, okay, that's a nice way to sort of round it off. And uh, also because I, I sort of, I had looked at activity online and everybody was talking about it. And um, people had already put out you know, little videos. Oh, this is my vlog from when I was at Fire Festival. And, um, oh, let me tell you what happened at, at Fire Festival. And they had their little like news segment sort of channels. And, and I thought, oh, fantastic i can use a lot of this this content um but also people obviously trying to tell the story but no one had pulled the whole thing together into one cohesive sequence which is sort of what the channel does i mean was it easy to find all that content and find all those back background stories um yeah well uh it's it's not difficult to find um a lot of this stuff it it requires a fair amount of research um but the research is the most fun, um, usually. You find out all these bizarre little details and and you sort of figure out how to piece the whole thing together. It's like putting together a puzzle and and um, it's like, okay, well, I'm going to tell people at this point what has happened with this thing. Okay, so they need to know about it by this point. And then if I do that, though, that matches up with sort of this whole topic that I'm talking about over here. And, and so, yeah, it just sort of feels like you're assembling a puzzle. And and that aspect of it, I I, I really in, enjoy the most. That that video took about seven weeks or so. Is that standard for you for a video? Like, how long are you spending per video? Yeah, that was that was unusually long. Um, usually, it takes about four to five weeks to make a video, um, but these things vary so much. Uh, the the sort of number of sort of shots per minute is usually somewhere close to. Um, a new shot every sort of three to four seconds, so that quite quickly adds up to somewhere between sort of twenty, fifteen to twenty shots per minute. And then if it's a ten-minute video, you know you're talking about a few hundred shots. And then um, constructing all of that in Photoshop and stuff, it t- it does take quite a long time. Um, fortunately, um, I've been able to bring on um, this other guy. I won't say his 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 name. Um, but uh, he's he's really great, and and um, I've been able to divide a lot of the labor with him. So this most recent video um, that I think technically would be my sort of most successful one to date um, in terms of viewership over over um, a short span of time, uh, the fall of '76, we managed to produce in just over three weeks. So sort of about half the time that it took to create the Fire Festival video, and. Um, the fall of seventy six. The fall of seventy six. Yeah, based on Fallout. Yeah, the the get Fallout seventy six. Yeah, so um, looking forward to that one. Oh yeah, it's. Um, I th- I think it's the, probably the the best 
video we've done sort of to date. It just it's got the timings right. It's wow. got the the style right, and it big call because we're saying this before the video comes out, but some people will hear this after the video comes out. So, oh no, no, it came out last week. Oh, did it? Yeah. Oh, good god. Yeah, no. It, <laughs> so it's up to like four and a half million views. Oh. Oh. In like a week. Yeah, it's oh. ridiculous. <laughs> really? Yeah. So anyway. it's, um, yeah, so it's our, our sort of best performing video to date. And technically, the turnaround time for it was was less than than any video I've done in the last six months. So That's awesome. Yeah, really, really pleased about that. And um, But you're not putting out then a video a week or as the, uh, as, as the, the magic number that's circling around the, the internet you know, the minimum three YouTube videos a, a week, obviously. So <laughs> your channel, you know, you, you, you got a hundred thousand subscribers in, in a few months and now, um, I guess over one and a half million subscribers across t- the, the two channels. So sort of what, what's your upload schedule look like then? Yeah, well, we're, we're trying to inch closer and closer to a piece of content a week. Um, so we had the fall of 76 and then within a week we also had, um, and that's that's like a 25-minute video. And then we've just put out another 30-minute video on the second channel a week later, um, which is uh, so it's a really dumb uh, sort of uh, recreation of Jeff the Killer, which is this very popular creepypasta that shouldn't be a very popular creepypasta. Once you actually lay out the visuals of uh, how preposterous the thing is, um, it, it suddenly becomes really funny and not creepy at all. Um Anyway, we've, so we've managed to do like a week, a week there. Then it's probably going to be two to three more weeks before the next piece of content comes out. But then we should have two more pieces after that. So there's like a three-week gap, and then it should be one piece, and then a week, and then one piece. So we're getting closer and closer and closer, and, and I'm, I'm really excited about that. But I think we need one more person before we can get there. Great. Mm. Right. And then, but, but then, and in the earlier days of the Internet Historian, as you, the creating by yourself, mm. how many videos yeah. a, a month were you uploading? That's the funny thing, because it's like you would expect, well, um, I didn't know anything about editing in the beginning, so um, and, and now I'm, I feel like I'm quite efficient and fast at it. And so you would think, well, um, I'm producing more videos and, and producing them quicker, you'd think. But um, actually, it's been the exact reverse. Um, over time sort of want to make your, your videos higher quality and, and and you want to give them a lot more polish and, and so um, you know and you put a lot more sort of thought into them um, so in the beginning it was like one video every three days and then it became one video a week and then it became one video every two weeks and then one every three weeks and then it was a month and then I, at some stage I've had it up as bad as I think I, I had a period there where it wasn't for two months that I put out a video. Um, and that can be really stressful um, because you think, you know what, by the time I post this, I'm not going to have an audience left. Mm. But it's been, a, it's been a couple of years now and the, the channel's still growing steadily. So I think, I think a lot of the sort of common understanding about YouTube um, punishing people who take time off is, is not terribly true um, I would say if you were a content creator and it took you say two weeks to make a video um, 
I would say you're, you're probably actually better off bunching those videos together. So say um, instead of in a month going two weeks and then two weeks, you might go, okay, I'm going to spend a month producing it and then um, release it and uh, release the first video and then a week after that release the second video. Um, that tends to work better for the algorithm as far as I've noticed. Um, but it it does take some like some conscious thought not to be constantly panicking that they haven't got a video out. And it's always, at least in my experience, quality over quantity because the, the catalogue matters more than anything else. Speaking of the algorithm, your content can be a little bit um, edgy, can be a little bit adult. Um, have you been caught in a position where the algorithms and the... Um, the censorship has come up against you, and what do you do then? Yeah, um, there's certainly I've certainly got videos that have been demonetized. Um, when the channel first started growing in those first sort of three months, um, everything was growing really quickly, and I was like, oh, fantastic. And then the apocalypse happened, and it was like all of this could be taken away in a moment, and, and in terms of revenue, most of it was. Um, and so I created a Patreon page, and then... Um, I realized, oh, uh, and then, and then that carried on for a while. Um, and while I wasn't releasing videos, so you might have like a four week gap between videos, the Patreon helped enormously with that. Initially it was just to combat, you know, the, the AdSense problem. Um, but it ended up helping with that. And then, um, uh, more recently it was like a whole bunch of, you know, when, when the, when the second apocalypse happened, um, I realized, oh, the whole channel could just get demonetized for, for no reason, essentially. That's what was happening to channels much larger than mine. By necessity, I had to diversify a lot of revenue streams. So it doesn't affect me as much um, if I've produced something for a long time and then the, th- the thing gets demonetized. Um, there are certain practices that you, you take when you're making a video to avoid demonetization, um, if that's sort of what you mean. Um, particular words are going to get caught up, especially political things. Um, so you just try to avoid those words where you can. Um, anything that's going to have like a sort of graphic nature to it, uh, um, I, I try to work around that. And, um, you know, one thing that, YouTube specifically has talked about is in the first 30 seconds, try to keep your content fairly mild. Mm-hmm. Um, so I try to do that as well. And um, again, it's, it's funny, the limitations end up helping you a lot because it's like, all right, well, that means that pretty much all of my videos are going to want to start with some form of like cinematic introduction because I can't leap into like the normal jokes in the first 30 seconds because that's not going to work. So, okay. The, the Fall of 76 video, for example, all right, well, we'll start as though we're playing the game Fallout um, Fallout 3 and we're visiting the Bethesda ruins. Okay. And it's it just sort of, it, it's all sort of born out of necessity. To backtrack on, like, your limitations in your, uh, at least initially, your skills in, in creating video content, mm. like, did those limitations shackle you um, and and hold you, have they held you back from creating the content you wanted? Or have they been somehow useful? Uh, yeah, it's the the limitations have been incredibly useful. 
I suppose in the beginning, it really guided the kind of content I was going to make. Um, as my sort of technical level got better, it actually became more difficult to decide how a video was going to be produced. It's like, all right, am I going to have a whole bunch of characters and they're going to be talking now? Well, I couldn't have done that sort of six months prior. And so uh, it's funny, you know, so too, too many um, choices of ice cream flavor and you, you kind of can't decide what to do. I suppose in the beginning it was very daunting because it's like, well, I don't know anything about Premiere Pro. How the hell am I going to make a video? But you know, you just sort of experiment and, 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 and over time you develop the skills. A, a lot of the software is built to be intuitive. It's like, just give it a go. Okay, that one's not going to work, but throw that out, try that again. Just, just keep tinkering with it till you get it. Great. Any big tips for emerging creators, new creators, any creator? Yeah, um, I think the thing that's overlooked the most is the catalog. So I... Uh, I feel like there's almost no emphasis on that. But so don't fill your content with a bunch of updates to the channel. Don't fill it with, oh, here's a long-form one that's three hours long and here's a short two-minute video and, and, and that sort of stuff. Um, make content as good as you can, as high quality as you can, and then just post the stuff that you think um, you would want to watch, not just things that... You know, maybe your, your friends and family are going to compliment you on it. It's, um, you know, treat your audience like an audience and that they have um, a huge number of alternatives. Um, and if you've, if you've built up a good catalog over time, um, that will help you in the long term. So that will, that will bring in subscribers because, at least from what I've seen, it's like, at least from personal experience, the way I assess whether I'm going to subscribe to a channel and watch all their content is I'll probably see their latest video through the recommendation feed and I'll go, oh, that was quite good. And then I'll check out their channel and if they've got a bunch of other great videos as well, I'll go, fantastic, subscribe and then I might go watch some of it later maybe. Um, but if you've got a catalog that's just filled with fluff, they're going to see that first video, then they'll go, well... Uh, what what is this? Why why is there like a let's play here and with your movie review and, and and all sorts of things and and um yeah they'll they probably won't subscribe. So building up a, a catalog of consistently good high quality content. Great, Harold. Thank you so much for joining us here on Creator Generation. Some very good tips and some very interesting stories. No problem. Thank you for having me. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we'll see you guys uh, next time here on Creator Generation. Hope you enjoyed that chat with Harold. He had some really interesting points. Totally. And I'm still going to try and find out his real name. Mm. And I'm going to wear pants from now on. <laughs> Next week. Next week. <laughs> so if you want us to answer any questions, if you want to hear from any creators, let us know through our socials. You can also use the Creator Generation app. Until next week. Catch you then. See you then. Bye. Creator Generation. On the mic.